Proverbs chapter 4. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we ask for your wisdom. And we ask, Lord God, that you would give us the grace to just embrace your word, that it would not just be a part of us intellectually, Lord, but that it would be a part of our very fiber, our being, our heart, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that uh, you would lead us into all truth. Thy word is the truth, Lord. We believe that. And Lord, only your word can bring us comfort. You are the God of all comfort. We thank you for that. I pray, Father, for just a rich time this evening in your word. We also pray for the marriage class, that you would just bless that and rock the world in nursery. You're so faithful, God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, remember this is Solomon speaking, so he's talking about David. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, speaking of Bathsheba, he also, speaking of David, taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Let your heart retain my words, and keep my commands, and live. You know, we were uh, talking about Psalm 146 a few weeks back. And there was that psalm, we, that, that verse we talked about, which says, talk about the man who trusted in man. It says, when his spirit departs, he returns to the earth, and that very day his plans perish. And we're just talking about, you know, wow, um, when a man dies who trusts in the Lord, all of a sudden, just sort of everything about him perishes. And we're just talking about our legacy. What's our legacy going to be? What are we going to leave behind? And here we're talking about someone, David, who, because David was a righteous man, he was the standard for all the kings in the book of uh, Kings. Even though we were, my kids and I are reading through Josiah, and it's just... And, and it's just and the other kings, I can't remember if it, he mentions uh, David's name when when, uh, when he's talking about Josiah, but it's like he walked in the ways of his father David. That was what it was said of a good king. And here, because David invested in his son Solomon, probably having learned something by not investing in his son Absalom, <laughs> he invested in his son Solomon. His Solomon is investing now in his son and you know the bible says that when a man trusts in man and he returns to the earth in that very day his plans perish and oh how i want to leave behind a legacy of following the lord you know having uh, spent many years at a gigantic corporation I, I, I it was amazing some things you know you'd get different leadership senior leadership every other year or something like that and some some guy would come in and he'd make all kinds of changes and everyone's you know uh, scurrying around trying to satisfy the new senior leader and 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 it was just amazing because um, every I guess I should say every four or five years there'd be a shakeup and the guy would leave and literally within two months you'd never even know the guy was there because this new person came in and just changed everything and and you know the the and that's what happens in the world that you know it's very difficult to leave 
a legacy, but, but when we are in Christ, the wonderful thing is that what we sow, not only will we reap, but really generations will reap. And so here is Solomon referring uh, to uh, his father David, just investing in his life. Verse 5 says, get wisdom. So this is Solomon talking to his son. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. And we know in James chapter 1, that famous verse, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. What does that word reproach mean? It means sort of like a rebuke. Ever had a teacher uh, who, uh, who uh, you know, you ask too many questions and boy, they let you know it. You know, you ever hear that expression, no such thing as a dumb question? Well, we've all had a few teachers or, uh, who have really not lived by that motto. Uh, there is such a thing as a dumb question, and I will let you know when you ask it. And so, but here, uh, it's, it, it, it says, you know, get wisdom, get understanding. It says, it says, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6, do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. Verse 8, she will bring you honor, then you will embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. You know, when I read these uh, things, I can't help but uh, think of really what we are told in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then in the, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says Christ is our wisdom. And, and just what we have available to us in Christ, as we spend time with Him. And I can't even imagine just trying to get by just without being with Jesus and just being like a sponge and absorbing just the, the wisdom that comes uh, from Him. Verse 12, 12, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Remember these first a uh, number of chapters in Proverbs really is an introduction to the rest of Proverbs, just, uh, just really emphasizing the importance of wisdom. Take firm, verse 13, hold of her instruction. Do not let it go. Keep her, for she is your life. Then verse 14 says, do not enter the path of the wicked. Remember, this is a father talking to a son. Do not enter... The path of the wicked, it, meaning don't even test the waters. You know, how many teenagers have just put just a their toe in the waters of the wicked and then have over the years and just had consequences that last for years and years and years just for trying one time, just for experimenting one time. And he's saying, don't even enter the path of the wicked. Don't even just try it out. Remember what we talked about last week where there's two ways to gain wisdom. One is by experience, where you, where you experience, for example you know, why you shouldn't do this or why you shouldn't do that. And you learn through pain. This is the pain of life experience. Or you can take the other way, which is just, just believe the word of God. And so what he is telling him to do here is don't even, don't try to learn by experience. Just believe me, do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't try to test out those waters. Verse 15, avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it. And pass on, for they do not sleep unless they have done evil, 
and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. And so there's something about someone who is walking in the way of iniquity where they're not satisfied walking there themselves. They want to pull someone else in. That's that's what it means in uh, verse 16. They don't sleep unless they have done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone else fall. And so uh, this is just sort of the nature of evil that you sort of maybe trying to, you don't want to you don't want a ship to go down. You don't want to go down with the ship. You want to pull as many people uh, with you uh, y- yourself. And so uh, that's just a principle and that he's just pouring in to his son here. Verse 18, but the path of the just is like the shining sun. The sh- the, that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. You know, that the, the, the picture here is, is that with the rising of the sun... And as, even as you give your life to, life to Christ and you begin walking with the Lord, as you, as you, be, as you begin walking with the Lord, the, the light, the light of Christ, uh, little by little, you know, will start shining through you. But eventually, as you walk, it just, it, it just burns like the, the noonday sun. We read a, a psalm like that. But it does take a while. And and uh, I do see frustration sometimes with with new believers, and you know they're like, you know, have I grown yet? Don't you see how much I've grown? Don't you see how different I am? You know, yeah, you're acting like a madman. That's you know, uh, but 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 you just have to wait sometimes, and and over time, your your life will shine like uh, the noonday the noonday sun. Verse 19 though says, the way of the wicked is like darkness. And so oftentimes you're talking to an unbeliever or whatever and, or someone who had just been walking in darkness and, and they just get slammed by some sin and they say, I, don't, I just don't know what happened to me. Well, that's because you were in darkness. That's what happens when you walk around in darkness. The way of the wicked is, light, is darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Why? Because they are in darkness darkness verse 20 my son give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh keep your heart with all diligence For out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot. From evil, so I don't know if any of you saw sort of this anatomy thing going on in these verses. Verse twenty, it's the ear. Verse twenty-one, it's the eyes and the heart. Verse twenty-two, it's the flesh. Verse twenty-three, it's the heart again. Verse twenty-four, it's the mouth and the lips. Verse twenty-five, it's the eyes and the eyelids. Verse 26 is the feet. Verse 27, again, you see the foot. And so, really, all these verses, they revolve uh, in some respect around verse 23, which is, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. But the, the idea here is that we can know in our minds, intellectually, the right thing to do in life. We can know that intellectually. But yet, 
we fall into sin anyway. We can be a Ph.D. in biblical doctrine. But the question is, does the Word of God, does it really have our ear? You know, we're hearing, but are we listening? Does it have our ear? Verse 21, does it have our eyes? Does it own our eyes? Does the Word of God own our eyes? You know, in a very easy way to answer that question is what have we been looking at over the last 24 hours does the word of God own our eyes verse 22 the flesh or, the, or just the body the Bible says offer your lives uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifice holy and pleasing to the Lord does the word of God really own your body or is it just intellectually you know what your body is supposed to do and not do but your body real itself hasn't really embraced it. That's, the, that's what's going on here. Verse 24, the mouth and the lips. Does the Word of God own your mouth, what you put in your mouth? Does it own your lips, what come, come out of your lips? Verse 25, your eyes and your eyelids. So you understand intellectually what you're not supposed to gaze upon and dwell upon. But are your eyes, does the Word of God really embrace that? Your feet, the Bible talks about feet running into evil. You understand what your feet are not supposed to run into or verse 27, your foot but does the own of the word of God does it really own your feet? And most importantly, verse twenty-three, your heart. You understand intellectually. I mean, David knew that he wasn't supposed to commit adultery, but at that time in his life, his heart had not embraced that part of the word of God. So, so does 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 God have all of you? And, and so, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, there's a gazillion sermons on this one verse alone. Keep your heart with all diligence. You know, one of the things I, I, I've had to do from time to time uh, it, it, at work is, uh, or was... To you know, when when someone wanted to, a woman wanted to have lunch with me or something, uh, I would never agree to do it. And so I would say, look, if you're going to have lunch or whatever, even if it's about business, just let's you know buy it and come over to my office. You know, there's a window and everything, and I had to explain to them why that you know my wife and I just have an understanding that I'm not with. Um, you know, I'm not alone with, with a woman. And I remember one time I, I was, went to another city, and, and at this, the, the, this city there was just several different buildings, and this woman who worked for me had to go from, we had to go from one building to the next and then to another, and the buildings were just like a half a mile away from each other, and I, I wouldn't drive with her, and she thought I was a nut. Um, but you know something? I know I've been married for 22 years. And so really, I don't care anymore because I know what I have. And I don't care at all what, how crazy people ha think think I am because I know what I have. And I, you know, but, but th that's the one example. And it's not a law that I'm just telling everyone to follow, but it's one example of what it means to keep your heart with all diligence. You know, if you nurture a friendship with someone of the opposite sex, your heart is a delicate, fragile thing. And it's so easy for your heart to turn in a direction that it doesn't want. And you're a fool if you think otherwise, if you think you're too holy that that will never happen. You have to keep it with all diligence. 
I hope if you're married, and not too many people in here are married because they're over in the marriage class, but some are, that you've gotten rid of every letter, every picture, every vestige from a, a past relationship. Because let me tell you, all it takes is one peek into an old letter, just a glimpse For something to happen to your heart, it will take you months to get it back out. Because once once it's in, it ain't coming out anytime soon. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So what are you pouring into your heart? Is it hours and hours of video games, TV, whatever. Your heart is a precious, fragile thing. And you need to keep it with all diligence. Just have a very holy fear of God when it comes to, you know, what you put in your own heart. In your own heart. Put away, verse 24, from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. You know, verse 24 could can be taken two ways, your own mouth or someone else's mouth. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to, you want to be very careful what is coming out of your mouth. <laughs> but you also want to be careful of who you're hanging out with and if you're hearing, just there's someone that you have sort of allowed into your sphere. Now, some people are in our sphere and we can't help it because they're there because we work with them or whatever. But if there's others that we choose and there's this garbage coming out of their mouth, this says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. And again, it all relates back to verse 23, because if you have someone with perverse lips around you, it's just not going to take that much for your heart to be hardened by just the perversity. And really all perverse, you know, perverse means is twisted, just the twistedness of what you're hearing. And, and it, you know, and it all comes back to you got to guard your heart. And don't think, well, I can hang out with anyone. doesn't matter how many bad jokes uh, you know, that, that, that they tell. You're a fool if you say that, such stuff. Because the heart is a fragile thing, and out of it spring the issues of, of life. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eye looks, eyelids look right before you. And now I've cut this one out, I've typed it out, and put it over one of the, uh, actually it's a window frame of my house. You know, because there's a couple pictures here. One is the wonderful one that we read uh, about and took a long time about on Sunday morning where Jesus, it says in the book of Luke, it says that his face was set steadfast towards Jerusalem. It's just that, that focus. God's, the Bible says that God has put a, a race before us in Hebrews chapter 12. It says that and we just need to set our eyes straight ahead. I personally, though, with this particular one, what I'm thinking of is just purity. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. I just stuck this first right over one of the window frames in, 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 in my house. I don't have any business looking to the right at this woman or the left at that woman. I'm married. I'm married to one woman. And no other woman deserves my gaze. And so... And so, you know, let your eyelids lids look straight and your eyelids look right before you. Now, in the 17th century or whatever, the, the monks used to go, so there were certain, certain monks in Switzerland, I read one time, that they put hoods over themselves and, and, and just looked down wherever they went. So, you know, that's not what this is talking about. That's religion. That's bondage. But this is talking about... Verse 23, keeping your heart with all diligence. Just another example of it. All these verses are really um, revolve 
around that verse. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left and remove your foot from evil. Now there's just certain places where you know you have no business even walking by. Even walking by. You know, there, there, there may be a young lady or a young man in a cube that works down the hall or whatever. Well, you know, I think I'll just walk down there. I'm not going to do anything, not going to talk or whatever. I'm just going to walk down there. No. Because if you do, what might happen? Your heart. See, your feet, there's a relationship between your feet and your heart, your eyes and your heart, your ears and your heart. It's a relationship between, you know, all those things. And, and you know, I, I, I really have been talking here mostly about the sort of the area of, of purity. Uh, I think in the context, as we'll see in chapter 5, that's exactly what all, all this is about because chapter 5 is just all about the peril of adultery. But this can apply to really any area of life. It's just what you put you set your feet out with and, and your eyes and, and your ears. Chapter 5. Now, there's a lot in the Proverbs about adultery and sexual immorality. And, you know, I think a lot about that guy Tommy Nelson who does these marriage and dating videos uh, many we we shown actually some of them here on 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 Sunday night, and they're just wonderful videos. And some of some of the folks have really had their relationships and their marriages transformed by this guy. He's, he's wonderful. He does a series on Song of Solomon. But I one of the, something that he said always stuck with me. And he says, even if I was an atheist, knowing what I know today, I would tell people the stupidest thing in the world is to have premarital sex or sex outside of marriage. And, you know, that is just so true. Uh, it, it is so true. And one of the many evidences for that is there's so much about it in the book of Proverbs to the point where, okay, enough already. You know, you're going to get to the point a few chapters from now. We get the point. Move on to something else. Well, he was a guy who knew, as you know, uh, he had, what, 700 wives and 300 concubines? Maybe it was the other way around. He knew about the pain and misery associated with sexual immorality. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman... Drip honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. You know, one of the things that, one of the principles here that we want to learn is not necessarily, oh, the, you know, this horrible immoral woman, this prostitute or whatever is Harley's talking about, is, you know, how, how do you dress? How, how do you talk to people, to, to people of the opposite sex. Um, you know, your clothing, how provocative is it? Are there people of the opposite sex being provoked to lust because the way that you are dressing or the way that you are talking? Well, here he's saying to his son, Keep yourself. Rather, keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Just flattery. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. 
This wormwood is a type of wood that's bitter and it would get into ponds and stuff. That otherwise, it would great, nice, sweet water. But man, some wormwood got in there. <laughs> Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Now, this is an important concept that sexual immorality leads to hell. Period. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, do not be deceived. Those who practice sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, we know where that verse leads. We've discussed it many times in our study of 1 Corinthians. It says in verse, I think, uh, 11 of that same chapter, but you were washed and sanctified and justified by the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So there's, there's, there is... Grace there, obviously. You know, Paul was, uh, you know, talking to many of the Corinthians though that come out of that lifestyle. And also, if you look at First Corinthians chapter six and also Galatians chapter five, uh, it is clearly talking about those who practice these things. So, someone who's a believer who falls into this kind of sin doesn't mean they're going to hell. You can't lose your salvation, so that can't happen. But, but, it, it, you know. This is the beginning, this can be the beginning of a lifestyle that will lead someone literally to eternity in hell. And he's saying, her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. So, you know, one of the principles here is that, is that a person who tries to lure you into sexual immorality, they may come across, again, you know, lips dripping with honey, mouth smoother than oil. But in the background, what's really there is an incredibly unstable woman or man. And just the fact that they're doing what they're doing is evidence of that stability. But some, you know, but, but you know, you go down with that woman or that man, and they will suck you down into just a morass, a hell, a, a path of utter misery. Because with that pleasure, and yes, sin is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says you're also going to discover, in addition to that momentary pleasure, an incredibly unstable person. And I can line up a bunch of testimonies here, and we could just talk, you know, for the next, have testimonies for the next year about this very thing, about someone trapped in a relationship, and, and they, they were lured into it because of a natural attraction, only to find that they're, they're now clinging to an unbelievably unstable person. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Verse 7, Therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way from her. And, you know, women, it's remove your way from him, do not go near the door of her house, lest you give her your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction. And my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ears to those who instructed me. In other words, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen? Why did I, why did I think I knew better? Why did I think I knew better? Why did I think I knew better? You know, I did not grow up in a, in a Christian home and... And I got caught up in the whole sexual immorality thing prior to walking with the Lord. And, and you know, I feel, 
you know, looking back at at what I took in sort of in the seventies, you know, growing up. How is this like today? You know, the sitcoms, the commercials, and 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 you know, it was all this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, this lifestyle, sexual morality. I feel so lied to today. I feel so ripped off. I was lied to by the world. You know, the lies are are, are you know still uh, going on. Today, these just outrageous lies. I remember last year reading in USA Today about these, I don't know, chastity balls or whatever you call them, where the dads and daughters who are like 14 or something or 13, they go to these, these balls and they get dressed up. And, and there's the, the um, I guess they, the dad gives the girls these rings, these chastity rings. And, you know, I can have mixed feelings about that kind of stuff. I really do. But um, the formality of it, I mean, it cuts both ways. But, uh, uh, you, you know, you just got to be careful with turning it into a big event like that, uh, in, in my opinion. But I remember, uh, I remember this woman just attacking the very notion of the, that thing. And, and she was just, her, her argument was, uh, you know, this is just something being foisted on women by a male-dominated culture or trying to inhibit the self-expression of girls. She was just outright attacking the whole concept of purity until marriage, virginity until marriage. And I remember... Just a couple of years ago, over here at Harvard, there was just some group, some Christian group on campus. Actually, I think it was a pro-life group, in fact. It was at Harvard or something. And they were just, just uh, I, I, I think what they were doing, if I can remember correctly, is they were sort of marketing this, uh, just a commitment to, to remain pure until their marriage Married, and they were attacked with just reckless abandon. I mean, wow! But but it's it's just such a lie. And you know, uh, I you know do sometimes. I know about the pain of that whole lifestyle, and and you know, praise the Lord. You know, working through with God just to get to a different place and. And, uh, you know, do receiving healing uh, in that whole area. But, you know, I do wonder, and I'll go to my grave wondering, what it would be like to go to bed with my newly newlywed wife where, you know, never having known anything else except what I found in that bed. And that is God's best for you. And that's God's best for our children. And it's wonderful to see, you know, be involved in the church where, where this does still take place. And, it's, it, 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 and you know, it's something that we as much as I really don't like talking about this stuff, it's something that we need to talk to our kids about. You know, uh, if there is something sort of wonderful of, of not shying away from this particular subject. And I know so-called Christian families who never discuss the subject of sex with their kids. It's just mind-boggling to me. And, but there's a, just, uh, just a, a real cool thing to be able to engage your kids uh, on this subject and not have them learn from the pr- uh, playground, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're, you're, and you, you, know, you don't want to wait too, too late. But there's something wonderful just about just the innocence of it. You know, you're talking to your kid and they're like, you're kidding me, Right? What you're telling me now, that happens, you know. That, but you know how wonderful innocence is. 
And, and, and it's a wonderful thing about just being in Christ and being a Christian is that all these kind of things, just purity and righteousness, are just we can reintroduce them and we can break the cycle. If we have a history of immorality, we can break the cycle with our kids so they can pass on something completely different to their own kids. And that's what's going on here. You know, that's what's going on here. He say, you know, Solomon knows the mistakes that he made. He knows them. He probably read something like 60% of kids in the United States of America now will spend some part of their life in a single parent home. What's the reasoning for that? Just the loosening of the sexual standards. The loosening of the sexual standards. Now, verse 3 says there, it says, it's interesting, it says, for the life of an immoral woman, now the King James says a strange woman, and the word there is a woman, uh, not a stranger like an alien, like a foreigner. It means someone who has departed from the teachings of the Bible, of Israel, really departed from the Jewish community and their, their, their standards and their law. Proverbs 31, on the other hand, says of the virtuous woman, on her tongue is the law of kindness. So, you know, and, 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 and you know, I, I don't want to, you, you probably think I've already spent enough time on this, but I don't want to underemphasize also the importance of spiritual warfare. You know, in this area, there is so much spiritual warfare in this area. I mean, you take out a church leader with sexual immorality, install the fallout uh, that comes from it, or even someone who is not a church leader, just walking with the Lord, just the fallout that happens, and just oh man, when I'm having to get involved. Uh, in these kind of situations, just the emotional turmoil and the uh, and the pain. But there's so much spiritual warfare involved uh, in this area. Satan gets so involved, and you know many of you know have heard me say this, but I am utterly, totally convinced that porn sites are the modern day equivalent of a pagan temple, of a Moabite temple. A Moabite, a pagan temple they used to, you know, it was all, many of them, they was just all about sensuality and sexuality and having sex with priestesses. And Paul says, where is it, in the book of, in 1 Corinthians, that behind every uh, idol there is a demon. There's demons in those ancient temples where those uh, sex priestesses were, and there's demons right there on those websites. There's so much spiritual warfare in this area. I, I think it was Gail Irwin. Um, I, I think it may have been him who, who was at a Calvary Chapel pastors conference and speaking to a bunch of middle-aged pastors, and and he's like, "Do you really think those women who are telling you you're handsome, you?" really think they're telling you that because you are? I mean, you're balding. You're, you know, you're getting a pot belly and frankly, you're, I'm looking at you, you're kind of ugly. It, it's, not, it's not that at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Satan, man, and, uh, and, you know, you're being tempted, you're being blinded, just like Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, just buying um, a lie. It says of the woman in chapter 5 here, it says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. You know, so she's giving all these compliments and this type of stuff. You know, there's a flip side, another flip side of this, and, and that is this, that you need to tell that person you love you don't want to lie to them, but you need to reinforce why you love them. Tell them that they're beautiful. You know, tell them 
how much you're blessed by how they, you know, serve you or how they cook or how you do work for them or, or whatever. You know, the heart, the, the heart of man is fragile. It's very insecure, man and woman. And from time to time, they need to be encouraged. You know, you, you, sometimes when you give advice, it just is, it's just so from the Lord. Thank you so much. You know, I, I love your your eyes, your hazel eyes. There's no eyes like them in the world. I love them. Don't just tell someone that when you're dating them for crying out loud. And listen. You know, a lot of wives take off with other men because they found a man who would listen to them. You've probably heard this. Women say something like, what is it, two or three times as many words per day as men? I forget. Three? Four times? Sam, you would know this better than I... Sorry. Um, no, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, you know, men need to listen. Women need to listen to their men. What happened here to this this man who goes down basically to Sheol is that he found someone to listen to him. But supremely, with all diligence, guard your heart for from it come the issues of life. You need to be pouring the Word of God into your heart. And that's where 90% of our marriage series and marriage counseling is about. Developing your relationship with Jesus. Remember that we were talking about this morning in the book of Acts. So they saw the uneducated, they saw the boldness of the uneducated and untrained men and they knew they had realized they had been with Jesus. You be with Jesus. You'll be running from the immoral woman or immoral man. Verse 15. I love these verses. Drink water from your own cistern. This is talking about sex and running water from your own well. Should your fountain be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. And you hear, your well, sex is for procreation, nothing else. Not in my house, I can tell you that. And always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? You know, it's clear that in the Bible, sex, sex is more than just procreation. By these verses among many other verses in the Bible. But I like actually 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7. It says it so very clear. Chapter 7, verse 3. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. This is talking about sex. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. So that word affection, that love in this particular concept, a context is talking about sexual relationships. And if, if you want to read the rest of the chapter, the, the, the context there is very clear in the, the book of Genesis when it talks about the man, uh, the woman shall leave her father and mother and cling to the man and they shall be of one flesh. That's talking about clearly more 
than procreation. It's talking about oneness. Oneness. Verse 24, Why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his past. His own iniquity entraps the wicked man and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction in the greatness of his folly. He shall go astray. Now, I see that news this week about Al Gore and his wife Tipper, and I, I really, my heart breaks for them after 40 years. They're they're separating, and there's this this there's these rash of articles about it, how this hit a nerve, and they run to all these marriage psychiatrists, and I tell you, I just wanted to vomit as I read every single one of them, you know, talking about you know what keeps a marriage going, and most of them say you know just people fall out of love for each other. Uh, let me tell you, if you both stay in the Word of God and in love with Jesus, you're going to be madly in love with your spouses for the rest of uh, of your lives. Of course, you never read anything like that in the press. And I don't want to judge them, but I've never seen a man and a woman who are both abiding with Christ have anything other than a wonderful marriage. Never. The divorce rate is zero. Now, it's true. If one of them falls away from the Word of God and following the Lord, yes, you know, it's, it's a disaster. But without the Lord, yes, you can, you can see why people just get bored of each other. And most of the articles, that's why it was, it was about. It, it was just talking about it's relatively rare after 30 or 40 years getting divorced. But it, across the board, it says they, they do it usually not because of a of another woman or another man which I not I may dispute that but they say that most of the time it's just because they become bored with one another and that and that's true I mean that's what happens without the lord right you just get bored of the people you're around you get bored with what you're doing you get bored with your job you get bored with everything seek ye first the kingdom of god and all those things will be added unto you, including a long, thriving marriage. Praise God uh, for that. What time is it? Was it? 7.56. Okay. I got through the whole chapter, didn't I? I actually have more, but I will stop. I was going into chapter 6. So, I think it's appropriate. I don't know if Sue planned this, Sue Mantel. She plans our prayer for Sunday night. I'm going to pray tonight for a woman's 